Our text this evening is the entirety of chapter 2, all 22 verses of it. If you would please now give attention to the Holy Word of God. The Word of the Lord is completely sufficient. The Word of the Lord is completely authoritative over our lives, regardless of what others may say. And the Word of the Lord is completely without error. Proverbs chapter 2. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From His mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. Guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of His saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity. Every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you, understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech, who forsake the paths of uprightness, to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked, who are devious in their ways. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God, for her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will inhabit the land and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. Thus far the reading of God's holy word. Let's let's pray for his blessing upon it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You that You have given to us this book of Proverbs. We're thankful, O Lord, that You are the giver of wisdom. And we ask this evening that You would teach us, that You would show us the way of wisdom, and that it would lead us to You. This we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Well, the book of Proverbs is a very practical book. It deals with the concept of wisdom. And wisdom is not something that is a theoretical or an idealistic concept. Wisdom is something that comes from the Lord. It is to build up His people. And so as we have been looking through these first two chapters of Proverbs, we've seen the importance of wisdom, why it is critical for us. We've seen the appeal of wisdom as wisdom goes out in the streets, as it were, and cries aloud for us to hear and to listen. 
And now this evening we look at chapter 2 and we see the protection that wisdom brings to us. That what God gives to us by way of wisdom has an exceedingly practical benefit. Chapter 2 begins with an exhortation, the second exhortation in this book, to get wisdom. And the first thing that we see in the first four verses is that with respect to wisdom... You must be willing to get wisdom. Wisdom is not something that you fall into. Wisdom is something that you must pursue and be conscious of. And this begins here in verse 1. My son, the book says, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding... This is a simple plea to listen to the teacher. Pay attention. And you see, it starts with accepting these teachings as being valid. Many of us can go back to our uh, schooling days. Some of us are still in our schooling days. And you know the classic argument. It could be about math. It could be about science. It could be about a language. When someone is trying to teach you something and you look at them and you say, oh, well, nobody's ever going to use this anyway. Why are you even bothering to teach it to me? It's invalid. It's not important. And of course, we know what happens from there, right? You're very studious, and you learn, and you recite back exactly what you've been taught. No. It's the opposite. You can't remember anything to save your life. Because you have no effort. You've already dismissed what is out there. And you see, that's where wisdom begins. We must understand that wisdom is important, that it is something to be learned, and that it is valid. But that's not where we end. You see, it is not enough merely to listen. We need to make it a part of our very being. And what better way than that than to commit it to memory, to treasure it up in our hearts, to take it with us, as Proverbs 2, verse 1 says. This is also something that we can understand from our schooling days. How many of us could right now at this very moment recite our times tables? Something that we learned many, many years ago. But it was so important that we committed it to memory because if we didn't understand that basic principle, we couldn't build upon it. It's the same with wisdom. We must understand and commit to memory the truths that come to us from God's Word so that we may apply them, so that we may use them in greater complexity and challenges of providence. You have to be prepared with wisdom. You see, the time to figure out an ethical challenge or what God's Word really says is not when you are in the midst of the firestorm. That is not the time to try and think through the implications of things. You must do that beforehand so that in the crisis you can automatically react. This is what athletes do, don't they? The basketball player in practice practices coming off a screen and firing a jumper over and over and over again so that he doesn't have to think about it when the clock is running down and the crowd is screaming. It's instantaneous. 
This is the way we ought to look toward the Christian life. We ought to already know what challenges may come our way and how we will react to them. One of the things that I have always drilled into my boys and their friends as I've coached baseball is what they ought to be doing before the pitch is pitched is to say to themselves, if the ball is hit to me, what will I do with it? Because you don't have time when the ball is in your hands. This is too often the problem with how we approach the Christian life. We think we can figure out all the complexities of very detailed moral dilemmas on the fly. And this is not wisdom. It's rather wise to be prepared beforehand. But it is not enough simply to listen to the teacher. We must also yearn for wisdom. Look at verse 3. Yes, if you call out for insight, if you raise your voice for understanding. Now, wisdom, you will recall, has called first in chapter 1 and verse 20 and following. But if we are to obtain wisdom, we must desire it. We must long for it. We must call out for it as one who is in trouble, seeking that it would come to us. This is, after all, what prayer is like, isn't it? We seek wisdom from the Lord to help us to raise our children, to determine which school to attend, to determine who we should marry, to determine what course of study we should take, what job we should be employed in. Seeking the wisdom from the Lord first is essential. Now this is not an easy task, for wisdom must be sought out with diligence, we see in verse 4. We are to seek it like silver, to search for it as hidden treasure. The diligence is needed. The verbs here are verbs of action, of pursuit. This is not a hobby. This is not something we do in our spare time. We are to seek after God's wisdom with diligence. It's not easy. It is not for those who easily give up. It is a treasure that is hidden. It requires effort. And the reason that we put forth the effort is because we understand the value that it brings to our lives. It is like silver. It may be hidden, but it is hidden treasure. You must be willing, first and foremost, to get wisdom. And once we see wisdom, and we go after it, and we seek it, we then begin to see the source of wisdom, which is really the critical and important thing. Once we seek wisdom in verse 5, then we will understand what? How best to operate in the world. What the most efficient way is of living. No, that's not what the text says. Then we will understand the fear of the Lord, and we will find the knowledge of God. You see, the great blessing of wisdom is as we pursue it, we actually find the Lord. We know that wisdom leads to God, and that when we see wisdom, we understand that it comes from God. For He is the one who gives wisdom. It is His mouth that brings knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for His people. And He is a shield for those who walk in integrity. Wisdom comes from God because God desires to care for and to protect His people. You see, 
When others come around you and encourage you to make wise choices, to think through things biblically, to apply biblical principles to your life, it is because they care for you. And they know that the Lord cares for you. And they desire your joy, your happiness, your blessing. God speaks to us, and He speaks help to us in way of wisdom. Wisdom is not an abstract principle. It is not something that floats off in the yonder and that we hope somehow to get a glimpse of. Wisdom is something that is to be used. It is a well-worn tool. It is something that is close to our heart. Because you see, wisdom is a gift that comes to us from a caring God. God desires our success in life. Now, this is not success as the world defines it, fame and fortune per se, but it is a life of success, a life that is lived Godward, a life in which we gain more and more of a relationship with our Lord, and that spills over into others around us. We are then prepared to face the challenges of life because we have stored up the wisdom that God has given to us. It is this wisdom that comes to us that shields us from the slings and arrows of the world because we understand the principles that we stand on. And even if we are attacked, those attacks do not shake the foundation of our beliefs or the core of who we are because we understand that wisdom is there from God to protect us. Wisdom comes to us and it comes to us from the Lord And we see in verses 9 through 11 the value of this wisdom. That wisdom is very practical. Look at verse 9. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. Being wise, having wisdom, changes our behavior. It changes the things we do and how we do them we then begin to understand that wisdom has value in our lives and righteousness, equity, and justice don't just become principles that are out there for someone else. They become creeds for us to live by. As we deal with other people, we are concerned to be righteous. We're concerned to see equity and fairness. We're concerned to see real justice in the world. And we begin to realize that it is not acceptable for a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, simply to have words. We must have actions that follow our words. What we believe must influence who we are and what we do. And once this begins to happen and take root to us, then God begins to do a work in our lives, even changing our desires. Look at verse 10. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Here's an easy question for you to answer rhetorically. Would you rather undertake a task that you hate or that you love? Would you rather eat food that you hate or some that you love? Which would you gravitate toward? Which would bring energy to you, which would bring a renewed effort? Well, of course, it is the things that we love. 
Those are the things that we are eager to do. Those are the tasks that we jump to, leaving to fall down the list all of the distasteful things that we don't really ever want to get to and we hope someone else will take care of for us. And you see, what wisdom does as God plants it in our heart, is it begins to change our desires and our hearts so that we begin to long for the things that God loves. We begin to desire the things that God loves. And it changes not just our outward behavior, but it changes our being. And we long to have our behavior be different because we are different. This is the power of God's wisdom. We begin to delight in wisdom and godliness. And at the end of the day, this is what will protect us from foolishness. Verse 11 tells us that when wisdom becomes pleasant to our soul, discretion will watch over you and understanding will guard you. See, this is the greatest protection that we have from foolishness and foolish decisions is that we would love to be wise and love to do the things that God has commanded. That is the protection against falling astray. We begin to judge all of our actions even beforehand to wonder whether they are wise or not, whether they will be pleasant or not, whether they will bring us joy or not. Wisdom begins to take root in our lives, changing who we are and changing our desires. And when this happens, then when temptation strikes, we are ready. We need not go through the calculus. We already know that our desire is to follow the Lord. And this is what the next section of Proverbs 2 lays out for us. The two great temptations, following an evil man or wicked men and following an evil woman or a wicked temptress. These are two great temptations. We see first in verse 12 that Wisdom will deliver us from the way of evil men, from men who have perverted speech. We see men like this around us all the time. The world is a dangerous place, isn't it? Evil men tempt us. They justify the things they do with their twisted, perverted speech. They try and convince us that we can act likewise. That we're just like everyone else. The cry of the wicked man is, everyone is doing it, why don't you also? You see, they have abandoned what is right for what is expedient. They have, as we see in verse 13, forsaken the paths of uprightness, and they walk in the ways of darkness. And they begin to be more and more foolish, having the opposite process that we have just described about wisdom being implanted in our hearts and changing our desires. Instead, they begin to do the reverse. They begin to desire evil more and more. They rejoice in doing evil. They delight in perverseness. They begin to seek out ways of foolishness and sin. And the Bible tells us here in verse 15 that there is an end of these ways. It is the way of death and destruction. Their paths are crooked and devious are their ways. This is the way of foolishness and we see it around us all the time. 
The world denies it. But we have all seen and experienced the heartache that comes with sin and foolishness. Decisions that we have made or we have watched others make that we know should not have been made. And we bear the consequences of them. But wisdom will protect us when evil men come to us and seek to draw us aside to entice us to go into wickedness. But we also have to remember that sin is not always ugly at first glance. It is one thing for an evil man to speak perverse words and to speak of wickedness and evil as if it is good and to try and entice us to the ways of evil. Now often sin comes to us in a seemingly pleasant and safe way. And Proverbs describes this for us in the way of the forbidden woman. She is the adulteress who comes with smooth words. She is all painted up. She is one who is pleasant to look at, one who is enticing, one who will draw us astray. She speaks good and kind-seeming words. But at its core, this sin is the same as ugly sin. Do you notice? She draws you away with words, just as the evil men did in verse 2. She also has abandoned what is right. In verse 17, she has forsaken the companion of her youth. She's forgotten the covenant that she has made with God. She has abandoned her husband. Just in the same way as the evil men in verse 13 have abandoned the way of righteousness. You see, that path also is a path to death. Proverbs puts it in a very vivid way. For her house sinks down to death. Imagine that if you would. A place that's seemingly bright and hopeful and fun is really mired in a swamp, slowly sinking inexorably to death. And you see, the temptation is that it is not rushing into the earth, but rather slowly sinking, sometimes so imperceptibly that we deny that it is even doing so. But it is just as surely a path to death. Wisdom is something that we need to take heed of. It is something that comes from God. It is something that protects us practically against immoral behavior against foolishness and sin. Why is all of this laid out for us? Why should we care about wisdom? Why should we care about our actions? After all, don't we confess that we are saved by faith, by grace? Don't our works mean nothing? Doesn't it not matter what we do? You see, wisdom here understands for us, it underlines the reality of faith. Wisdom shows when faith is real. Look at verse 20. So you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. There is a choice before us tonight and each and every day. The choice before us is, will we follow the Lord. Will we prove that we have wisdom by choosing wisely? 
Will we prove that we trust the Lord by taking His good gifts? You see, our actions do not make us holy and righteous, but they are evidence of the holiness that is in us that comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. We cannot pretend that we have faith and not show the reality of that faith. And wisdom is kind of a thermometer. The thermometer doesn't make something hot or cold, does it? But it surely indicates to you if it is hot or cold. This is what wisdom is. Because you see, the reality of life is seen in the results. There are always two nations of Israel, as it were. Two churches. There is the real and then just the external. There are those who know in the reality of their being and their soul the saving grace of Jesus Christ, and there are those who talk about it. There are those who desire to be seen as in the people of God, and there are those who are in the people of God. And for one, God holds out judgment In verse 22, the wicked will be cut off from the land. You see, what God says is, it is not enough to sit in the pew. It is not enough to say you read your Bible. It is not enough to talk theology. If your ways are wicked and you have shunned wisdom, you will be cut off. God sees the reality. But in the same way, In verse 21, the upright will inhabit the land. The Lord knows those who are His. The Lord holds out life for His people, and that is why He has given us wisdom, that we may follow in the path of wisdom and life, that we may be encouraged that He has given us gifts, and that we can follow the Lord by His grace. Wisdom is important. It is not something that you can wait to obtain. You must begin at an early age because you see, to be wise is to know the Lord, to know His will, and to follow after Him in trust and in faith. Let's pray.